along on the, uh, the New Testament reading challenge. You should be somewhere in the book of John this week, uh, which is one of my favorite books. I, I'm always hesitant to say that because no matter what I'm studying at the time always becomes my favorite book in the Bible. But because of that anyway, we're going to be in the Gospel of John today. So if you would, open your Bibles uh, to the Gospel of John, the third chapter. We'll be looking at uh, this passage in the third chapter of John. I, we're going to read here, uh, beginning in verse 1. I'm going to read down through John 3:16. Not that we will be working our way through that many verses, uh, but I just couldn't bring myself to stop reading until I included that wonderful verse of John 3.16. If you're anywhere near it, you just, you just got to get there. So I'm going to read through from the beginning of the third chapter of John down through John 3.16, and then we will kind of work through and, uh, and learn a little bit about this man Nicodemus. Uh, who has an encounter with Jesus in this, the third chapter of John. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it. But do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen, and you do not accept our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you did not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, open our hearts and open our minds to your word today. Lord God, let your word have its work in us. Father God, move in our hearts today. 
move in our midst in this congregation. Reveal yourself to us. In Christ's name. Amen. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Pharisees always carries a negative connotation uh, in our minds, doesn't it? I mean, after all, wasn't it Jesus who, who called them uh, a brood of vipers? The eight woes in John uh, chapter 8, Jesus goes through and, and he, he, he goes after the Pharisees pretty hard. He calls them hypocrites. Um, he says, they are, you know, when they make a, a new believer that brings them into the faith, he makes them twice the child of hell as they are. The Pharisees have a pretty bad reputation. And it's well-deserved. It, it was earned. They were legalistic. They were arrogant. They were prideful. They considered themselves better than anyone else. Uh, but while Jesus casts woes on that whole class of Pharisees, he enters into a conversation with this one. This man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. Not only was Nicodemus a Pharisee, but he was a ruler of the Jews. So the Pharisees were a, a, a group of, of people that at the time they didn't have the negative connotation that we give them. They were seen by most of the people as, as righteous as more righteous than they were. Uh, it, was, it was said that if you were following a Pharisee down the street, it wouldn't be long before he would stop and take a position of prayer to pray, and then he would move on. So the people didn't have that negative connotation that we carry, even though it was deserved. And Nicodemus wasn't just any old Pharisee. He was a ruler of the Jews. He was part of the Sanhedrin. You know, Nicodemus is only mentioned in the Gospel of John, but here we see Nicodemus mentioned three different times. We see it here in chapter 3. And then later on in chapter 7, we, we meet Nicodemus again when he is defending Jesus among the Sanhedrin when they're trying to condemn Jesus basically without a trial and, and Nicodemus says, wait, we don't, we don't condemn someone until we have heard from them. And then we meet Nicodemus again in chapter 19 at the crucifixion when Nicodemus along with Joseph of Arimathea take the body of Christ from the cross and it's Nicodemus who provides this burial spices and such for Jesus. Nicodemus was apparently one of the wealthier men in Jerusalem. The rabbis say that he was the third wealthiest man in Jerusalem. And in this scene, we're introduced to Nicodemus, a Pharisee, a ruler of the Jews. And it says, this man came to Jesus by night. Much has been said and written as to why Nicodemus came by night. Some say he came out of fear of the other Pharisees, that he, he didn't want to be seen talking to Jesus. But, but it was not uncommon at the time for, for Pharisees and rabbis to, to meet with each other at night. 
See, they'd have busy days teaching. And after all, Jesus had been busy that day. I mean, he'd been overturning tables in the temple and working miracles. And now, finally, in the evening, perhaps it was just calm enough that Nicodemus could come to him and, and talk to him. Nicodemus doesn't seem like the type that would be fearful. I mean, he confronted his fellow Pharisees and Sadducees a little later about Jesus. I think Nicodemus came to him at night in order to, to have a, a calm, personal conversation with Jesus. That would have been unusual. Even though it would have been typical for a, a Pharisee to meet with a, another Pharisee uh, to, to discuss theological issues in the calm of the evening. It was very unusual for a, for a Pharisee to go to meet with what would have been seen as an itinerant preacher, uneducated, having not gone through the schools that they had. But he wants to approach Jesus personally. You know, the Bible doesn't tell us where Jesus was staying while he was in Jerusalem. Uh, most think he was probably staying at the house wherever John was living. Uh, that's why this is included in John's gospel and not in the other gospels, but we don't know that. Wherever it was, Nicodemus, a, a Pharisee, a ruler of the Jews, comes privately to this itinerant preacher who's been causing such disturbance in Jerusalem, and he comes to him and he says, Rabbi, it's an interesting thing for a Pharisee to call some itinerant preacher, rabbi. It's a, a term of respect. It, it, it shows Nicodemus's humility. It shows Nicodemus's willingness to learn from his master, from a, a teacher, to recognize that perhaps Jesus could teach this most learned Pharisee something. He says, Rabbi, we know that you've come from God. Well, he got that part right. Notice here in the plural, it's inclusive. He says, we know that you have come from God. It appeared that perhaps Nicodemus wasn't the only Pharisee in Jerusalem that wanted to give Jesus a hearing, the, not the only Pharisee in Jerusalem that may have recognized something special about Jesus, that Jesus had come from God. But then he goes on. Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher. So he started out pretty good. We know that you have come from God, but then he, he misses the point. Did Jesus come from God? Well, yes. Did he come as a teacher? Well, he, he, we have much to learn from him. And yes, he even taught in the synagogues of his day. But did Jesus come as a teacher? Paul tells us in 1 Timothy, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Jesus didn't come just as a, a teacher of, of moral values or a teacher of history. He came as a savior. You know, a few, few years ago, I would, have, I would have said that most people today would even agree that Jesus was a great moral teacher that his moral teachings were good and right. But now, 
It's even hard to find folks outside of the church who will agree even with that statement. Jesus came as a savior. He came as a revelation of God. He revealed the Father through himself. Jesus wasn't just a teacher. He was, he is the word. He didn't just come from God. He was, is himself God. As you read through the Gospel of John, don't forget that wonderful opening of his gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Have you, like Nicodemus, limited your understanding of Jesus only to what you can explain, what you can observe? He says, Christ, Jesus, uh, he, he says, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Or as we'd say, unless you, he was God, which Jesus is. How wrong we can be when we're only half right. And that's where Nicodemus was. He was half right and wholly wrong about who Jesus is. Jesus answered him and he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What? What kind of an answer is that? In fact, what was the question? Nicodemus had not asked a question, he had made a statement. Who was even talking about the kingdom of God here? Well, Nicodemus was, but he just didn't know it yet. Jesus was not just a teacher. He was not just a rabbi, not even just a savior. Jesus was the, the inbreaking of the kingdom of God into our world. It was Jesus who said the kingdom of God is at hand. So what Jesus is saying here is, is Nicodemus, all that you said about me may be true, but unless you are born again, you will not understand who I am. You will not see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus then, being of the, the curious sort, He's an intellectual after all. Responds to Jesus' seemingly off-the-wall statement. And Nicodemus says to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? It's interesting here. I think we see again Nicodemus' humility, his, his honest seeking for an answer. He doesn't, he doesn't argue with Jesus. He's, he's willing to gain an explanation. He doesn't question the teaching. He questions the method. His question is, how can a man be born when he is old? Now, maybe he's just accepting Jesus' 
proposition and, and, and coming back in order to get a further explanation. It's one of the teachings methods that would sometimes be used to lay out a statement and just accept that statement and see what, take it to its logical conclusion. Because Nicodemus was, he was using his logic and he was using his rational thinking and he wasn't getting it. So Jesus explains it to him more fully. Jesus answers, verse 5, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That phrase, born of water, has several possible meanings. One of the most accepted is that it refers to physical birth. And the amniotic fluid that accompanies a baby's birth, that, that idea of the physical birth being born of water. Some have taken this statement to, being, to mean Christian baptism and hold to its necessity for salvation, but it, it can't possibly mean that because at the time Jesus said this, there was no such thing as Christian baptism. There was, however, John's baptism in water as a sign of repentance. John the Baptist came baptizing in water as a sign of repentance, as a calling to repentance. The Jewish ceremonial washings of the day signified repentance and cleansing from sin. It was John who said, I came baptizing in water and indicating Jesus, he said, and he is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. So Nicodemus could have understood it as either a reference to, to physical birth or I think more likely as a symbolic reference to repentance. What he could not have meant was the necessity of Christian baptism as a means of salvation. For baptism had not yet been ordained as part of the Christian life. And then Jesus goes on. Verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Just as it was in the, in the beginning, living things reproduce after their own kind. Flesh reproduces flesh. Dogs reproduce dogs. Cats reproduce cats. You, 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 can't, you can't get spiritual offspring by way of the flesh. You can only get spiritual offspring by the way of the spirit. To be born of the spirit is a spiritual birth. And he says again, do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. George Whitfield, that great 18th century evangelist once was asked after preaching a sermon about being born again he was asked by someone why do you preach that we must be born again his answer was because we must be born again seems to me that whole idea of being born again has lost favor uh, even among Baptists you don't hear the expression the way we used to it wasn't that long ago well, maybe it was. In the 70s, late 70s, early 80s, when Jimmy Carter was president, we heard all about our, our first born-again president. Even as late as 2005, in an interview on Fox News, Jimmy Carter said this, 
I think almost every Baptist Christian with whom I grew up as a child, and even the Methodists and the Lutherans and others who lived around my hometown considered themselves to be born again. Being born again is just like breathing for us. It was a phrase that we used without question for the first 50 years of my existence. I think it's a sad statement there. It's such a powerful concept. The idea of being born again by spirit was used without question, without thinking, without knowing what it really was. Like most things, once something gets into the popular press, it begins to lose its meaning. It becomes cliche. But here, when Nicodemus heard that phrase, it was, it was new to him. You must be born again. It was something fresh. It was something new. It was something he needed to understand. Even for some of you, it might be a new idea. Or an idea so old-fashioned that you've put it into some dark recess in your mind. The language may seem like that of a fiery televangelist. You must be born again. But it is what turned a leader of the Pharisees into a disciple who defended Jesus among his peers and who ensured a proper burial for his Lord. Don't be amazed that you must be born again. You must be born of the Spirit in order to become a child of God, in order to enter the kingdom of God. In our Sunday school lesson today, Paul tells us much the same thing when he says, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Baptized into Christ, clothed with Christ, that is the new birth in the Spirit. To be born again means to be given a new life, a new start. Think about a newborn baby. They have no history, only future. They are, as that children's song goes, a a promise, a possibility, a promise with a capital P, a great big bundle of potentiality. I always love that, that phrase, a great big bundle of, of spiritual potentiality. Being born again means being given a new start a whole new bundle of potentialities, not limited by your physical state, not limited by your age, your weight, or your health, not limited by your history, your mistakes, your rebelliousness, but being born again, born from above a spiritual birth and empowered by the very presence of God. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. Verse 8, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. 
in 2007, there was an article in Time Magazine entitled, The Other Born Again President. It's an article about President Gerald Ford's faith. It's actually an excerpt from a book about Billy Graham's relationship with various presidents. And I found most interesting the lead line in that article. It said, we can never know the real story about a president's faith. We only know what he does or refuses to do in God's name. That's kind of the point of this expression in verse 8, the wind blows where it wishes. This isn't some mystical statement of Jesus is trying to blow Nicodemus's mind. He's describing how we recognize when it's windy and how we recognize someone who is born again. We can't see the Spirit just as we can't see the wind. We can only see the effect of the Spirit in someone's life. Just as we only know it's windy when we see the trees move and and the leaves go flying by, when we can find it difficult to walk against it. Did any of you see that video that's making the rounds of the, the, the weather channel guy there in the, during the Hurricane Florence? This wonderful video of this weather channel guy, he's, he's standing there and he, he's showing us how, how severe the wind is. And I mean, he is struggling there. He's got his coat on and he is struggling and, and moving back and forth, finding his footing. And the camera opens up just a little bit and behind him you see two guys walking by. One of them's on his cell phone. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Those who call one another brother or sister, who each Sunday make a show of themselves in church and talk the church talk while here, and then the rest of the week only use Jesus' name as an expletive. Would anyone know that you were born again, child of God? Would anyone see the effect of the Holy Spirit in you on Tuesday or Thursday or Friday night? Have you been born again? Nicodemus says to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, are you a teacher of Israel? I'm sorry, are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? Jesus didn't just say a teacher of Israel. He he calls Nicodemus the teacher of Israel. Nicodemus was apparently one of the leading teachers among the Pharisees, a learned man, a respected man, an intellectual and a teacher. And again, he is not arguing with Jesus. His question seems genuine. How can these things be? There he is, seemingly unwilling or unable to take by faith what Jesus is telling him. And Jesus addresses him, truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen and you do not accept our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. 
As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. How can these things be? How can we be born again? By believing in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. By believing that he came not as a teacher, but as our Savior. I did make it to 316. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And that eternal life starts when we are born again. I close with one question. And one question only. Have you been born again? Have you had that spiritual birth that enlightens us that opens our eyes to the kingdom of God, that allows us to see Jesus for who he really is, not just some rabbi, teacher, moral leader, but the very son of God who who gave his life that our sins can be forgiven. Do you want a new start? Do you want to become a, a new bundle of potentialities and come to Jesus. Believe in him and be reborn. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, sometimes your your teachings seem hard to understand. Lord, give us spiritual eyes Give us spiritual insight. Bring your spirit to life within us that we may see the kingdom of God, that we may understand, that we may be born again. Father God, we thank you. In Christ's name, amen. In just a moment, you're going to stand to sing a hymn of invitation. If God has moved on your heart to respond to him today, last week, last month, last year, and if you've never made public your profession of faith, if you don't know that you are born again, or if you've just discovered for the first time that you are a born-again child of God, When we stand to sing, will you come down and let's pray together. Let's stand now.